Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Let's talk about HTM. Did you figure out how to pronounce the knife yet? How are you feeling about pronouncing the knife? Oh my gosh. I It's one of those words that as soon as I, like, I hear it, and I'm like, oh, I got it. And then I try to say it. And then I'm like, almost there. I try to say it again. Wrong direction. Somehow. <laughs> I'm like, nope. Done. Well, it's, I think I was so surprised because it's it's it really, I think it's, wait, it's Asa Hater. Asa Hatter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Asa Hater. I don't think the knife needed another name because it's just, it's needless, needlessly confusing. <laughs> the subtle knife, yeah. Right, so the description is that as all paths converge on Chittigatsa, because they do the Chitty, weirdly, the, the mission to find Will's father becomes more pressing. Having survived the balloon crash, Chapari and Lee try to locate the knife bearer, but the Magisterium are in close pursuit. Ruta updates Serafina on Azrael's plans, but Serafina insists her duty is to Lyra. Mary consults the I Ching on her task before bidding goodbye to Angelica and Paula. It's a long description. <laughs> so much happened in this episode. Well, it's almost like it should have been an eight-episode season, as predicted. Right? I mean, this this is what we yeah. were talking about last week. Like, hmm, they have a lot to cover to get to where we presume an end point is for the season. I don't why. I, I don't understand why more shows are doing this where it's like, let's just lollygag through the first four episodes and then just pack it in the back end of the, of this thing. I mean, honestly, I don't, none of the, (laughs) none of the Mary stuff needed to be in this episode. No, it should have all been in the previous episode. Does it even need to all be in the previous episode? Could it, could it be not even in this season? Wouldn't it be more interesting if her season ended with her stepping through the door? Going through the, I agree. Stepping yes. through the portal. Like, what What was the point of seeing anything of her in, in Chirikatsa? And then she just, like... To see the... the just uh, It's the first time that you see the angel. I mean, if that's where you wanted to start, or if that's where you wanted to end, I guess. Well, I I mean, I have comments about the Azrael ending anyway. <laughs> like, choosing to end at that point anyway. Also didn't need to happen. It, I, found it, I find it so un motivating in the sense that like like i just feel like i've been jerked in a completely different direction at the end then like oh yeah i have to remember this guy has a big part to play like who is this guy again what's going on i haven't seen him in six episodes like yeah i know i i I know i our one of our favorite british actors dies in the show and then we get to go back and, oh, yeah, we have another favorite British actor who's in the show. <laughs> Forgot about that. Good. What about the witches in general? Wow. Just getting taken out. Mrs. Coulter is powerful. Like, she upgraded. She leveled up massively in the past two episodes. <laughs> yeah, she's a force to be reckoned with. I um the Okay, other general themes. I thought that the 
time stretching of this episode was annoying in the same way that the time stretching in Game of Thrones is is upsetting. Like Mrs. Coulter was in Chitigatsa and then she seems to have made oh. a three day hike in an hour. <laughs> like in oh. dress clothes. I was like, okay, come on. <laughs> yeah, she's like a Kardashian who is dressed up for a safari, essentially. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and she catches up to she catches up to like three days hike of Will and Lyra. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> And the witches, yeah, it's, it's not okay. Yeah, it was not okay. Ma- majorly Game of Thrones time dilation in all of this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, that was frustrating too. And then at the end of the episode, they're on. She's on a boat somewhere with Lyra in a box. <laughs> I I did like you know the scene opens and it's instantly like oh Lyra's in the box. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! It was like we're doing this. I like so. I don't know. I felt totally gratuitous about that. Like, oh, Lyra's in the box. We didn't know which world she was in. We don't know anything except for that her mother put her into a box. I mean, the nice thing about the fact that we probably have two years before we see another season is that I obviously will have to reread the books. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to have to. So I read, I read the Northern Lights slash the Golden Compass. But it is time to it's time to dive into the other ones. Just don't remember. Just not enough uh, yeah. stuff. I'm gonna have to do the same thing. Honestly, I'm worried that it's gonna make me more upset though. It will. I'm because no, the nice part about watching these only vaguely remembering is that I can create false memories and <laughs> be like, oh yeah, I think that's what happened. It's close enough, right? Yeah. Ever, all of it is close enough to to memory, and then it's you don't. I don't feel confident enough that something's different. Right. To call we it out. We did this on like the dark matter, right? It's like, I don't feel confident enough that that's not what that was. Right. No, no, no. Exactly. Like, I feel like I would have remembered that, but I just can't be sure. So, okay. Yeah. And then, but then adding to it, you're going to go to a British bookstore and buy a book. I am. I am going to go back into the ones that I have. And there will be slight differences, just like the Philosopher's Stone versus the um, Sorcerer's Stone. Well, the Northern Northern Lights Sorcerer's. was already was already different, right? Because Book One is Northern Golden Lights Compass, here. Northern yeah. Lights. Yep. Did you want to talk about the EPL really quick? I think we should, if only to point out that things are going a little off the rails because your team appears to not be healthy. Fulham. Fulham is the reason that those games were canceled. Yeah, Fulham had two games canceled this week. They have an outbreak. Yep. So, what's your point? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, hey, you got to stave off. Well, you have to stave off relegation any way that you can. <laughs> I, you know what? I think that uh, I think that might be bonus points in the relegation camp. <laughs> <laughs> to kick them out in the relegation camp. The you know, I actually have Scott to say Parker. we actually don't have anything to do other than say that. We got the Crystal Palace. We called an audible. Crystal Palace over Sheffield. Feels in in retrospect feels like a no brainer. We got the Leicester game. Also in retrospect feels like a no brainer. I mean, all of these are everything's was, hindsight twenty twenty, of course. But right, what was the other one that we put down? Man U versus Wolves draw, which seemed okay. We did call it. It was oh my, I I was following that and I was just like I was totally in and i was like and then i stopped paying attention and 93rd minute 
are you? I know. It seemed it seemed like it was gonna be so good. That was that was gonna be a brilliant call. The theory of the case was right. We've got to get off of Fulham because they are choosing to draw a lot of games. But Sheffield, man, they are. That's a terrible. That's a bad team. I think they sacked their manager too last week. I don't blame them. I, I mean, I, oh, I, geez, between them and West Brom, that's. Yeah, but but here's but here's the thing. West Brom has eight points. Sheffield has two points. I know. Two points. That's insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's insane. That is truly stunning. I mean, I don't even... It's amazing. I mean, I so 538 is still giving, is giving them a 7% chance to not be relegated. That feels high. <laughs> that feels very high. Well, I guess it's because Brighton is really within striking distance. It's Fulham. So, okay, inverse order. Well, no, but if if Sheffield wasn't relegated, Fulham, of course, would be relegated, but it's Brighton is the one that's out of relegation zone that would have to get in there. Sure. I mean, Brighton and Burnley are only separated by two points, so it's not... Could be either one of them, is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Hiatus on predictions for us for a week, um, which, honestly, probably good for us. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Take a... Take a brief hiatus. We'll relax on that. Maybe I'll spend some time checking in on NBA over-unders this week since we're already we're going to be 10 games into the season by the time we talk again. <laughs> I know. It's wild. Yeah, we got to get that. Let's get that automated. All right. Speaking of getting things automated, okay. rankings are happening. Love it. There are hitting rankings available. Things are happening slowly, <laughs> let's just say. Although, I, I will note that we did not make a single prediction until uh, the second week of February last year. So I actually think that, I think this is actually a good timeline, you know, like thinking programmatically into the future. First of the year should be prediction time. Um, and this year we're going to need every one of those minutes because there are some kinks to work out. Mm-hmm. Weights. Weights. I and there there are things that we That's a what's number one king. There's, oh my god, I already see something that I'm just terrified by. Okay. I'm going to tell you that I gave you the hitting rankings normalized to six hundred plate appearances. Because I'm not gonna worry about forecasting number of plate appearances yet. There are obviously things wrong with these so this is what you have right now what people can actually access anyone could access these right now are the first draft of 600 plate appearance normalized statistics with even weights for 2019 and 2020 so if you say okay i want to my pie is 100 (laughs) percent currently we're saying take give me 40 percent of 2020 40% 40% of 2019, 15% of 2018, and 5% of 2017 to make these. So that's that's our current recipe mixture. And it is leading to some crazy things. Why is leading to players with a longer, longer track record being in here that probably shouldn't be? Eric Hosmer is number 20 in this, which well, is... Well, Byron Buxton is forecast for 38 home runs this year. So, like, 
we got some. Well, you don't think this is gonna happen? We got some kinks to work well, out. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I'm less concerned about that because that is he is a guy that on a 600 at bat pace would be that that would that would be who he is. Eric Hosmer on a 600 at bat pace is not going to be a top 20 player. Okay, because he is always on a 600. Well, well one one more big caveat is that I I turned off the age regression for this iteration. Ah. Because because I wanted I wanted to I've gone back to this is what I was saying right before we got on the call. It's like we have a number of bells and whistles now <laughs> that I actually uh-huh. that I need to revisit or we need to revisit fresh. And because what I thought we were concerned about right now, I think what we are concerned about right now is getting the mixture of weightings right. Right. I turned off any sort of age regression where I happen to know that somebody like Eric Hosmer is going to get hit pretty hard by age regression. Well, not hit. I mean, hit reasonably hard by age regression. Mm -hmm. So I, I expect someone like that to fall off. But I don't actually don't know. I mean, Eric Hosmer must have had a good 2020 by numbers. Yeah, I, just, I was going to try to pull that up. But I also have... Must be. I also have a generic problem that I would like us to algorithmically think about, which is how we sort players, like how we assign the ranking number. I mean, this is a, this has been a thorn in our side for multiple years at this point. Is like, yes. what number do you algorithmically assign to a player? Like, in terms of rankings. Because right now what's happening is it's just rank order every single category and sum up how many points you get from the rank ordering. Right. But we've got to be better than that, I think. We do. We do. You're right. I don't. I, I mean, and okay. We'll add that to our piece that we need to make. Well, I think some of it is like how do we... We just need to, we just need to work on the algorithm. Like when you are mentally rating a player and saying like, "Well, I actually think that DJ LeMahieu should be ahead of Eric Hosmer." Like, why is that in your head? Like, what is right? It's the confidence piece, and we, that's what we have to add in. Okay. In this, we have to add in. Well, it's both. It's the the mix of the confidence and the upside to downside model you like in your head you have this like you have this vision of a normal curve right and then you and then that's for for a specific player you have the distribution of outcomes and however you know wide peaked etc that is for a specific player across the uh floor to ceiling and then you flip and then you have that you have that curve that you've made for each player, and then you like so Eric Hosmer, it's weighted low, yeah, <laughs> and then for DJ Lemayhu, it's weighted right in the middle, and then for um, Jose Ramirez, the upside is huge, but then the downside is uh, you know is there, right? And then you flip that, and then you have the confidence that they're going to actually get that outcome that's actually i mean eric hosmer on an at bat looked great per at bat he was 77th overall for the year but he had 143 at bats well that's that's gonna be the problem 
everything that he had was was weighted pretty well. So 23 runs in 143 at-bats, 36 RBIs in 143 at-bats with a 287 average. Yeah, so See, that's the problem. And it, four stolen bases, which he always has this like ridiculously high um, projection for stolen bases for a first baseman. Well, I will note that we actually, like, if you look at what we have, our stolen bases are actually quite conservative on that front for Hosmer, right? We have eight with a confidence interval of between three and 13. Oh, my God. Mike, I am talking myself into Eric Hosmer, and this is really, really hurting me. But <laughs> Brown is back. This, this was not. Brown it is, is back. It is true. He is on a good team. This was not supposed to be the... I, when you when you started this conversation, it was not going to be like, oh, I need to put Eric Hosmer on my draft list. But, I mean, one of the things that's nice about having algorithmic rankings is that it forces you to to revisit those assumptions yeah <laughs> but like like wait the numbers don't lie why is eric hosmer at number 20 <laughs> yeah exactly rankings? exactly you have to you have to look back at it and be like oh yeah shoot i 2020 did happen there was a season but this is the exact opposite of someone like you go over aj pollock and you have a guttural reaction and then you're like oh 600 in the plate appearances category. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Of course. There we go. Right. Okay. I got it. Understood. Right. Moving on. I will say, yeah, I will say like a good fraction of these guys when I was just doing spot checks like we're sort of doing right now was based on like that number's not right. And then being like, oh, yeah, 600 plate appearances. Never mind. Well, it's okay. There's, and, you know, speaking of Brown, Will Myers, 600 plate appearances next to him. I'll take that. Aaron Judge, same thing. Like, oh, if yeah, 600 plate appearances. Wow. It's, right. I would love to see it. <laughs> Ron Lacuna is down here. He's ranked lower, but he's going to have seventy plate appearances, yeah. probably. Right. Yeah. So another thing. Um, so th- again, this is the even weights. So I just looked into qualitatively right now. Well, there is quantitation, quantitative numbers here. What you get if you tweak the weights to? I went. I went the maybe the wrong way, which was fifty percent twenty twenty. 30 percent 2018 2019 and so like okay well what what does that actually change and just to give you a sense of how how flexible the numbers are over 600 plate appearances what that translates into is more or less plus minus two on home runs predictions and plus minus five ish on runs wow if you look at if you look at where the cores are for these with the weighting being that if you if you tweak to twenty twenty, that more players their their runs are underestimated because this is this the delta here is twenty nineteen weighted minus twenty twenty weighted. I hadn't thought that we were going to have that. So absolute number, we are going to have more home runs and runs. Yes. Even just that basic of an assumption feels wrong. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> right? Just at the very, the very bottom of it, are we going to have more runs and home runs? In should we be projecting more runs and home runs and more offense? Kind of feels like no. I, so I agree, but the but the numbers don't bear that out, right? The, the part where you said, like, I feel that, I completely agree. I also feel that we should not forecast that. But 
I'm just this is this is what happens if you just change these numbers and ask, well, what is the out? How does the outcome change? <laughs> That's what you get. So what you're so the delta, delta and home run. You've, you, Michael has made a graph of it's uh, delta of runs as a function of delta of home runs. That is a delta from going from evenly weighted to um, weighted more heavily towards 2020. That's right. And that gives people a uh, that gives the whole league a boost in runs and home runs over on average. That's a couple right. of people that are below that zero zero in the zero zero quadrant. Okay. Just that feels wrong. <laughs> I totally agree. And so, so I mean, doesn't that suggest that we should be in the even waiting camp? Well, I think that. So the next step, wanted to say, the next step is for us. We have two clear next steps. Let's let's keep the the projections as they are in evenly weighted between twenty twenty and twenty nineteen. We are hit looking at hitting, so there are three obvious things that we we probably need to do. One is add pitching. Number two is to get a better um, estimation of plate appearances, and then number three is to go through this and then. Go through this and flag. I, sh- I should probably go through this and flag 20 players that I want to talk about. Go through like the Eric Hosmer example and like really, really talk about. Like I'm seeing, I there are a couple of other guys that I would love to talk about. Will Myers as a top 30 hitting prospect for this year. It seems ridiculous, right? But... Brown is back, baby. Don't uh, tell me. Brown is back, but I mean that'll automatically change with plate appearances. So we'll we'll need to start to. This is happening on a few different factors, but you have Jose Ramirez number one, and it's something that it could happen. I know it could. You could if you wanted to make that prediction right now. I'd be happy to take. Over under end of year ranking Jose Ramirez one point five. I'm t- I'm <laughs> I'm gonna take. He's gonna have to be higher. That's gonna be. Well, as I mean, I think the thing that we actually should do is create. I, I hate to say this, but create a ranking distribution for players. Like I know you've said that. I I really you know like all of these probabilistic estimates that we're making, and then in the end, it all boils down to like nope. Do an integer sort on them, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is this is not ideal for how these were constructed. Yeah, no, it's not. I think that about brings us to the review session. Liam Hendricks, I have some statistics for you. Liam Hendricks in 2020, he gets one win, three losses, ERA of 1.78. Appears in 24 games. 14 of those are saves, which is pretty amazing. Uh, He only lets up five earned runs, only one home run in all of these appearances. Three walks, 37 strikeouts. I'll again remind you in 25.1 innings. And a whip of 0.67. That's inarguably the best closer in baseball on the numbers this year, right? Yeah. That is the guy that you want to have on your team. Which this, is why I year. traded him before the season started. There's a good good call for for you because you got like Thank a you. couple of. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm quite proud of I'm being, that. I'm being sarcastic. 
Ah, wow. <laughs> I'm also being very sarcastic. That was an incredibly dumb move. He was in the twin system. <laughs> that he was. So, you know, it's a tradition. Minnesotans just do not like Liam Hendricks. <laughs> Something about it. I think, I mean, he's he really came into it came into his own in Oakland. I mean, so. he hasn't... I mean, you look at his career before 2019, and it's, and it's there's nothing to suspect that he was going to be the top closer in a season. Um, I mean, he's he's had, I would say, a very reasonable whip. I mean, even if you look at his 2015 season in Toronto, right? I mean, he pitched a good number of innings. He's always had a more than 1K per inning. Okay, but nothing from this said, I am going to be the top closer. Sure. Sure. I mean, he has the things that I like, that I personally like about a closer profile. Like, a pretty high-end fastball, a good Mm -hmm. slider, a curve. He's got a pretty good mix. He, I mean, also, just watching him throw the ball, it it kind of looks effortless that he tosses it, and it's like 93 effortless tosses it 94 it's like wow if he wants to he should be able to get up even higher on that and he's got that kind of he's a little bit short i mean ray's bullpen would not accept him no 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 but he's not a small guy no no he's he's a a sturdy fellow a lot of people make contact they just they don't get hits but he only got he only got he only let up one home run this year. I mean that's why I highlighted that number. That's a good yeah, that's a good number. Well, if that and if that goes the other direction, he's fucked. But he only had five home runs in all of twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. I and mean, three in twenty eighteen. So is that partly an Oakland thing? That's a good question. He hasn't had a double digit home run season since he was with the twins. <laughs> yeah. And that ballpark for being cold in the you know, on the shoulders of the season, middle of the season, it is hot and the ball moves fast out of that park. Yeah. Right. Could there be a, a pitch, a, a ballpark factor? So fundamental question, I guess on Liam Hendricks is, is he the top closer next year? I don't think so. Does it matter to you if he's one, two or three versus one? Okay. I don't, I, I mean, if we want to say, is he going to be in the top tier of closers? I think yes. I think that you can. I think that you can draft. Well, you know, we're saying this, and he might be on a completely different team. Will probably be on a different team. So there's a. Ch- I mean, there's a chance that he ends up on a bad team for him. I think that like, if he ends up in Chicago, could he like? really have a bad season could he be in a situation where there's a where there's a bad mix of like the ballpark the the ballpark is one where it's hittable like chicago and then the team isn't as good as you would have expected both the defense and then the save opportunities and then could it just be like a culture problem you know i could see that happening to him that would be that would be how i could see it his season not being great next year and falling out of the top three okay so so we're pretty optimistic on hendrix but we want to see where he lands yeah yeah i mean and i think that's uh, i would just see across the spectrum as people talking about 
where is he going to land? San Diego. Or, or <laughs> it could be um, like Boston. I don't think that would be a good oh. situation. Like, could I don't you imagine Boston's, him? In is Boston, Boston. going to pay him? I mean, he's going to be expensive this year. Probably not. Probably not. But that would be a bad team for him. Whereas, like, well, I mean, they've got Chapman, but New York would probably be decent for him. I, I mean, I would probably, unless he, yeah, if, if he goes to, like, Boston, Chicago, Colorado. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't pick him up. Right. Arizona. So stay uh, Arizona. So stay tuned. But I, I'm, I'm quite optimistic about Hendricks. I am too. I think that he's got, especially if you consider like the closers. Closers usually have like a good two, three years. They usually have this like three, four years of being at the top of their game, where like pitchers, uh, where they're able to pitch their best pitches. Hitters haven't figured them out. And they're just like on a roll, and then it, you know falls apart. Sorry, Kenley. Yeah, and I think this is going to be another good year. This is going to probably be the last of his potentially sub two ERA and um, K per nine out the wazoo. Yeah, Jesus. I think. I mean, I think watches watches whiff percentage and watches fastball velocity and see how those are see how those are doing. Who would you like to review this week? Edwin Diaz. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Sea. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Sea. All I've got left is, we're select to you, buddy. We're select to you, too. Yeah!